All right, what is up, everybody? Episode number five of the Chasing Waypoints podcast coming in hot. Or not really, been away a little bit, but I am back. Been sucked into work, got a lot of stuff going on. We got some Baja Rally stuff coming up that's going to be absolutely epic. Uh, can't wait to get down and ride. I got a lot of stuff going on with the KTM 790, getting that thing almost done. So I am absolutely stoked and looking forward to doing some riding here. So. We are going to talk today about uh, one of the bike builds. I want to kind of talk a little bit about some bike builds that I've done. Um, I really enjoy it. It's basically, it's a money pit, and then I sell it at a loss, and, you know, it's rinse and repeat, you know. Um, but I feel like that uh, sometimes is the norm. You know, everybody wants, uh, you know, this badass bike, and they want to pay bottom dollar for it. And, well, I'm not the world's best negotiator, but I guess sometimes it's just going to be standing your ground, so... We'll see. Anyway, hang tight. Uh, episode number five coming in. All right. So as promised, episode number five, we are talking about the Baja DRZ. So this is a DRZ 400 that I had bought uh, from a good buddy of mine, a childhood friend. Uh, I believe it was a 2007 uh, bone stock. Had really nothing done to it. Uh, set of bars, you know, nothing, nothing super fancy, but... Uh, Seat concept seat on it and just some basics. That was pretty cool. So anyway, I decided I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the bikes that I've built. It's this thing. I've got the F800 uh, GS Adventure. That was my first adventure bike that I built. Uh, I'll do something on that one. And then I also have a BMW 850GS uh, that I built up. And then the current bike, which is the KTM 790 Adventure R. So um, this dumpster fire of a year is almost over. We are down to just three Fridays left in this thing. So, uh, looking to start the new year, right? Getting ready to do some rides and do some stuff. But I figured, Hey, you know what? Why don't we talk about some bikes and bike builds? Uh, cause I'm sure there's going to be some people looking to get in and right now it's the winter months, maybe working on the bikes, trying to figure out what to do, what to build. Um, you know, maybe some mods and stuff like that. And the stuff that I did to this thing really wasn't that crazy, uh, but it was more of just putting together a solid bike for Baja. Um, so anyway, without further, uh, going on to the, uh, chasing waypoints, you can hear me clicking in the background, uh, onto a blog post. So this podcast episode, I am going to put the link onto the blog page, uh, so that you guys can basically just follow along. So I'm just going to read down the list of mods and stuff that I did and explain a little bit about why why I picked that and why I did that. Um, just, I don't know, because I think it'd be cool. So, all right, so here we go. So taking a bike, getting ready for Baja, right? Anytime that I buy a motorcycle, I think, okay, cool. If I'm going to take this thing to Baja, what do I need? You know, I want to go over all the details. I want to make sure everything is solid make sure we got parts that are going to work on this thing. So, um, like I'd mentioned before, I had picked up a pretty solid platform already, had the fender eliminator on it, had a set of bars, um, it was pretty much, you know, ready to go ride. Uh, still had the stock tank on it, had a seat concept seat. So just super basic, you know, cool bike. Um, so first thing is first, um, just kind of starting from the front of the bike, uh, Baja designs went with the squadron pro, uh, motorcycle led race light. So the difference, they do have another version, like there's a couple versions of this. And one of them is the pro version, which 
has more lumens. So I believe it's closer to like 5,000 lumens out of that single light. Um, so, and it's nice because it's its own headlight mask with rubber straps. It's super simple. It pretty much mounts on any bike. You still got room left over. Um, I was able to mount the Baja Designs turn signals onto it. And then also, um, Baja Designs has a dimming kit, uh, for this little wiring harness. So you can dim the light down a little bit, which was nice because, uh, in traffic, 5,000 lumens in the rear view mirror. Well, you know, we really don't care. We're a motorcycle and we want to be seen. Um, you also try not to be a dick all the time. So, uh, went ahead and did that. Um, that, you know, I do not regret that that's awesome light. You know, you can change the lens on it. You can do stuff to it. So I absolutely love that light. Um, the next thing of course is, okay, now I can see now is like, all right, well, how far can we go? Stock tank, not going to get you very far. So I went with the IMS tank. Um, I went with one of their clear tanks so you could see the gas in it. Um, I believe it's like four gallons in that thing. Uh, a little bit hard to mount, uh, when it came to the radiator, uh, mount side of things. And I'm not sure if maybe because the radiator wasn't like picture perfect factory straight or what, but that was a little bit of a pain in the ass. Um, ultimately I was able to get it figured out and, and get it mounted. It wasn't my favorite thing to do, but it worked. Uh, the petcock on there put a, a regular like manual like old school one not this vacuum operated thing that they come with uh, from the factory so I was able to get that on there and, and that was cool worked great uh, I ran out of gas on the first gas tank the original one uh, just owning the bike after a few uh, few weeks I didn't realize I had switched it to reverse and I or reserve and I ran the thing bone dry thinking I still had reserve left. Um, but anyway, so next thing, um, obviously you can see the tanks and you can see the lights, but I really did not like the Dumbo fender. The fender on the front of the DRZ 400 is going to forever make it look like a 1996, uh, bike from that era, right? Big square fender, just kind of weird looking. Well, Somewhere along the interwebs in one of the most obscure current corners of bike builds and stuff like that, I saw somebody had used a fender from another bike. And so after some digging and some research and some more research and then some more digging, I was able to finally figure it out. And so the secret, it is the RMZ 250 fender from a 2010 to about a 2018. There's a couple different versions of it out there. You can find... Uh, on the website, I have the one from a Cherby's, a Cherby's linked on there, um, which works just fine. Uh, two of the holes line up. You're going to ha have to cut some of the tabs up front, the posts, uh, to get everything to line up correctly. Uh, you'll probably have to drill a couple holes. It's not rocket science. It's not really that hard. Just take your time, measure twice, drill three times, and you'll be good. Um, I, I absolutely love the way that the bike looked after that. It just absolutely changed the way the whole front end looked on the bike. The Baja Designs headlight mask actually has a little peak that drops down and actually kind of ties the whole thing in. So if you really want to look at like updating the, 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 just the fascia in the front of a DRZ 400, like seriously, just doing that light and doing that fender completely changes the bike. I mean, it makes it look like nothing else. And that's also part of the reason I decided to do this because I always like after building that DRZ, I regret selling it. I wish I would have spent more time on it. 
uh, riding and, and, you know, just exploring. But ultimately, um, after that, I've never seen another DRZ built this way. So I figure, well, you know what, it'd be kind of cool to do an episode and kind of reminisce on, on the stuff put together on that bike. So anyway, um, all right. So did that front fender super awesome. I mean, it looked completely changed the look of the bike. The next thing was drivetrain, right? The bike had six, 7,000 miles on it. It had some chain services, but you know, there's nothing faster than a gold chain on a dirt bike. So gold chain, it was, um, on that one at that time I was working at bike bandit and we were talking to the guys from pro taper and, and just getting some of the stuff out there and whatnot. So I was able to score a good deal on, on some stuff from pro taper, um, and working with those guys, uh, from, uh, I believe it is Rocky Mount Tucker, Rocky, Tucker, Rocky. Anyway. Um, so we did, uh, the DID, uh, 520 VX three hundred twelve link gold chain on that thing. Uh, then it's the pro tech pro taper, uh, race spec front sprocket and rear sprocket. And what I did is gearing on the DRZ 400. Uh, I can explain it this way. The shift pattern on a DRZ 400 is first neutral, second, third, fourth, fifth, 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 literally. And I'm not going to explain it, but the DRZ owners that are maybe listening to this are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. So by going with a 47 tooth uh, rear sprocket, I bumped up the teeth on the sprocket, so I actually went higher. The main goal on this was it's only a 400cc motorcycle, a little docile, but I wanted it to have a little more, you know, a little bit more uh, uh, huevos, as they call them in Spanish. Um, because you know, in Baja, you never know you're going to hit some hill or whatever it is. You, you, you're going to need some power to get up some stuff. And so I figured that was the, the mod to do later on years later. Um, I would find out, uh, from a friend of mine, uh, who I worked with at bike bandit and ultimately told me that, uh, these actual engines, you can bump them up to like a 479, 480. Uh, with a crank and a, and a piston on the thing. And they're absolutely reliable. I regret not doing that because I think that would have been cool. The thing would have had a ton of power. Uh, ACT, if I'm not mistaken, makes a uh, gear kit. So it, it widens the ratios out a little bit. Uh, we'll go back to the one, two, three, four, five, five, five uh, shift pattern. Take a sip of my beverage there because whoo. So anyway, um, so yeah, I definitely wish I would have done that. Um, it, I'm sure it would have made a big difference. Um, so that's the sprockets chain, uh, handlebars. Everybody does handlebars. I went with fat bars on this thing. Um, not fat bars like the, you know, Renthal fat bars, but the, um, in this case was pro taper again, uh, went with the Evo magnesium bars on it. Uh, this bend that I used was the RM mid something to talk in reference to handlebar bends. Try, try some different bends, jump on some different bikes, kind of feel it out and get it. There's nothing like getting on a bike and then it just like feeling like everything is right where it needs to be. Uh, the bend, the elbows, uh, like all of this stuff just adds up to the bike being rideable. And when we're talking about setting a bike up for Baja, 
in Baja, you don't go do three laps, five laps. You know, you don't go run a 15-minute moto, come back to the trailer, and talk about how badass that tabletop is. You're going to put down a 50-mile stint um, in in racing. I mean, if 50 to 80 miles, or if you're Colton Udall, it's like 600 miles in a single stint, and you're trying to conserve energy and make the bike as comfortable to ride as possible so that you can ride it for longer periods of time without making mistakes. So that was, uh, for me, that was the bend that between the seat and the height um, of the stabilizer bracket or the stabilizer triple clamp that I put on there, you know, that raised it up about an inch and a quarter. Everything just lined up with those bars in that setup. So that's why I went with that. Results may vary. You know, you want to make sure you get something that works for you. So the next thing uh, in the pictures you're going to see, I had the MSR handguards on there, uh, but ultimately ended up with the Atrubi's X-Force uh, handguards on there in that yellow with the little removable guard for the summer days, you know, so you can get a little bit more air in there. Um, so that was the handguard department. But again, handguards, I mean, there's, you know, I don't know, some people are like Team Cycra or Sikra or whatever it is, and some are, you know, oh, no. I don't ride a bike unless it's got the Acherby's Rally Pro Guard 2s uh, in fuchsia hot pink and teal or something. I don't know. There's just people out there that do that. Um, but anyway, so handguards, results may vary. You know, it's up to you what you want to run uh, on it. The next component, uh, and you will see in some of the pictures, is the Tusk Compact Control Switch. Um, so the multifunction switch on the left-hand side uh, of this bike in its original form is one more of those parts that's keeping this bike anchored to the 1990s and 1980s. This thing is just huge, like huge, huge, like just huge, huge. Yeah. So anyway, so you could literally throw this thing at somebody. You know, uh, the wires, it's stout enough to where you could just spin the thing by the wires and just clock people over the head with it and you'd be good to go. Uh, safety device for future reference. But it just does not look cool. And I needed some real estate on the handlebars um, to be able to mount the guards and do all this stuff. And then I wanted something to just look cleaner. So uh, out comes the handy voltmeter and, I mean, just looking at the wiring harness Thankfully, Tusk included a uh, harness or a pigtail and then also the wiring directions to, you know, what color is what. And, and I was able to figure it out. I have no idea what the wire was to each wire, but uh, for a good case, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I know it can be done because I did it, but I don't want somebody to burn their bike down to the ground and then come back at me and be like, well, you told me to do that. I didn't tell you to do anything. I didn't tell you to buy the switch. I just told you what I used. So you guys can figure out how to wire it. It's not that hard. But if that is, I guess, in the eye of the beholder. So anyway. Okay, so the left side switch looks cool. But now what do I do about the right-hand side? So on the right-hand side, I had to get a little bit more creative. Because same thing, the switch, huge, ugly, not the business. So what I ended up going with was... Uh, this company out there called Highway Dirt Bikes, they do like some really cool like um, different switch mounts and stuff like that that you can use. And you can get them with combination of momentary on, momentary off, uh, 
uh, or momentary on and then just standard on off sealed switches they're real bitching and then they make these billet mounts for them that are also pretty cool so i went with them found one of their setups um i basically bought a momentary on and off for the starter and then i bought a regular just on off uh for the ignition um bought the red boot and the black boot to make it you know look kind of like how the stock one does and same thing broke out the multimeter you know got lucky didn't burn the bike to the ground no i'm not going to tell you how to do it um because once again liability reasons i don't want to burn drz 400 to the ground and then I come back and oh, yeah that guy told me how to do it so anyway uh but again yes it can be done yes i think it looks super clean so the other part of the equation that makes this thing look like a 1980s bike and it will never die is the dashboard which is absolutely gnarly sized um or that you know to get the the gauge the speedometer the tack and all that's or not tack but the odometer so on this bike what i ended up doing was got the trail tech uh endurance 2 and was able to get um get it all wired up got everything in there got the tack to work on it got um the time or no that one didn't have a tack on that one sorry got the thing hooked up ready to go speedometer all of that stuff everything just fell into place worked good it actually brought the bike the look of the bike way up um i got the the lights the part of the lights that still you know your neutral light and all of that stuff um got those to stick around um after taking them off of the old uh of the old dash and got that you know stuck on there and so I still need it i mean you don't really need them but you know it's cool to have or whatever so really wasn't a whole lot of guidance on on how to do that stuff i just had to get creative on that but i think it worked pretty well and um and you know you're able to see the your mileage and all of that stuff and and current speed which is really i mean really is what all you really need so um so that worked out pretty well and then it's battery powered so you don't really need to run like a bunch of you know power wires and stuff like that and so i like it so anyway so that was that um the next part on the list that i have here is the exhaust um so <sighs> that's almost as bad as asking what oil you should run everybody's got their brand of exhausts. Um, you know, it's like, bro, if you're not running FMF, why are you even here? Um, you know, Yoshimura all the way. Why are you not running Yoshimura? Things going to be blowing up. It's not jetted right. Uh, you should have ran six blades of grass instead of the three and a half. And I told you, and why didn't you gap the spark plug to six millimeters? Like I said, you know, that's what they recommend in the manual. And my buddy who lives across the street from Ricky Carmichael said that Jeremy Johnson, uh, told him to walk backwards and mount the bike from the right hand side, uh, before you flood it and then proceed to kick the shit out of it. Uh, the stuff out of it. Sorry. Anyway, random rant. So here's the deal. So with exhausts, there's a ton of stuff out there. So pick what you think looks good. Pick what you think works well. And then spend the time jetting it. On a carbureted bike with an exhaust, you need to jet. You need to make sure all your jetting and everything is cool. You put whatever exhaust it is. 
chances are, you know, if you're racing this, like if you were going to literally turn the DRZ 400 into a race bike and talk, tackle the Baja 1000, like uh, Travis Pastrana, um, yes, go through it, do all of this stuff and like really get it dialed in. And, and it, you know, it's not that big a deal to, to do it. It just takes time and it takes knowing somebody that knows how to do it because the hell with that. It will make a big difference on the way the bike runs. Uh, you want it to be running cool. You don't want it running lean. You want that power band nice and smooth. You want the most power you can get out of it. And you get that through jetting. You know, you've got to feed it some fuel. So I went with the stuff from Rocket. Rocket exhaust I liked. I was looking for that shape. You know, something that looked a little bit different. Something that looked clean. That carbon fiber tip. You know, that kind of thing. And... Interesting enough, I hadn't really heard of them, and I just, you know, said something about exhaust. My iPhone heard me, and then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, look, hey. Well, turns out that, if I remember his name correctly, is Don, uh, was actually one of the guys over at Big Gun. It was, I believe, him and a couple other guys that started it. Don't remember what happened, blah, 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 blah. but in the end, um, Don opened his own gig called Rocket Exhaust. So super clean, super well built. The sound is absolutely awesome. And I did the full system because I don't live in California and this was only intended to be used on a closed circuit course in the middle of nowhere. Um, I was running for the record vegan oil fuel made from tofu extracts and fossils of tofu extracts. So trust me, the gas was absolutely clean. You could suck on this exhaust pipe for hours and nothing would happen to you. Anyway, ran that stuff. The thing ran like a champ. The jetting was not right, but the thing hauled ass. So, well, in DRZ terms, the thing hauled ass. And, you know, I liked it. I mean, the bike looked super clean. The bike, you know, super worked. I mean, that that really, like, the bike didn't need a lot. And so, in case you haven't figured it out, in Baja, the bike doesn't need to have a lot. Contrary to most of my builds... The bike doesn't need to have a lot of parts put on it. If you pick the right tool for the job, there's going to be a lot of experience. There's going to be a lot of people that know these bikes inside and out and and know the bike that you're riding and that kind of stuff. And you're going to be able to find parts and things like, hey, you should really, really do this. Otherwise, a lot of the times you're just you know trying to make it as solid as you can with the information and the experience that you have. And that's really what I did with this thing. So... And the thing worked pretty awesome. You know, the bike got a lot of looks. I'm telling you, there was not a lot of DRZ 400s out there uh, that looked like this. Where the bike is now, I have no idea. I ended up selling it to a guy. I believe he worked with Coin Power Sports at the time up in the Inland Empire High Desert. And from there, who knows where this bike went? It's probably out there. There's probably some guy sitting on it right now going, bro, I spent 22 hours building this thing and da 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 And you'll ask him a single question and he'll not know where it is. Well, here is the blog explaining how that bike was built. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up. I'll give you as much information as I can remember on this thing. And if not, I'll just make it up and make it sound like I do know. Um, so I think it's uh, I think it's a pretty cool bike. You know, I, I definitely want to, uh, in a future where I don't have to work as much um, and I can have multiple bikes again in the garage, uh, I think this would be another bike to have in there. Um, I know the things are reliable. It's kind of one of those bikes that even if the world exploded, this thing would somehow figure out how to still start on Monday. And yeah, so 
I think, um, again, the list of things to do uh, that I would have done on the wish list. So this was the main part, the wish list. Um, Sorchi Racing, I believe it is. He's still out there. Um, he built the engine on that uh, on my friend's quad, which if you didn't know, the LTZ 400 and the DRZ 400 sell, sell, have the same engine. So uh, on the quads, they were punching them out to 479s. So you could do that on the DRZ 400, which would be pretty awesome. So I wish I would have had the bike for longer and would have done that. Uh, with the proper jetting and a better carburetor and yada, 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 because the CV carburetor that these things have stock sucks. But with the jet kit, you know, you can get them working pretty good, at least well enough. And then the other one, um, which I did do some, I did change the springs on it um, for something a little bit more my weight, but I would definitely uh, have the shock and the front forks gone through. Uh, to make it a little bit more plush and a little bit more compliant. Um, and just, you know, you know, all the typical stuff that people tell you, right? Get it sprung to your weight, you know, get a valve, da 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 and go ride the thing. All of that. I really wish I would have done that. Uh, kept the bike for longer. Who knows where it is? I hope it's in good hands, but it was a pretty badass bike. So, anyway, uh, stay tuned. I will have the next... Uh, bike, I think we're going to do the F800 GSA next. Uh, that was a pretty awesome bike. Same thing, got a lot of looks, and I think I did it pretty good. I think it was all right. Uh, even though it's more or less like a moving truck, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's like, it's like, if I could compare adventure bikes, the F800 GSA is like the semi-truck class at Dakar. It carries a bunch of stuff. It's big, it's plush, it's got some insane amount of torque, but it's just not going to get you there fast. Not like some of the other bikes that are out there, but still awesome bike to ride. Um, actually a F 800 GS, the non-adventure could be on the list, could be on the list. Cause you know, you can do some stuff to the suspension on those. I mean, that bike basically since the beginning was pretty much the same recipe all the way until the last year they made it in 2017. So, you know, but anyway, so yeah, so we'll do the uh, F800 GS Adventure next. I'll give you guys the skinny on what I did to that bike and uh, what made that thing rock and roll. And uh, like I said, I to this date, I still haven't seen another one like it, um, even though it's just a few simple things that I did to it. But it really, really, really worked really, really well. So anyway, that is it for this episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, visit the website, yada, yada, yada. Click on the links, go through that, see if all that stuff is still available, pick what you want, put what you want on that bike, uh, and then go enjoy the hell out of it. So, all right, until the next episode, hope everybody rides safe, shiny side up, and we'll see you soon.